This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by Garlands of Grace and our supporters at Patreon.com. There is something about saying, we always do this, which helps keep the years together. Time is such an elusive thing that if we keep on meaning to do something interesting, but never do it, year would follow year with no special thoughtfulness being expressed in making gifts, surprises, charming table settings, and familiar favorite food. Tradition is a good gift intended to guard the best gifts. Edith Schaefer, quoted in Christmas Spirit by George Grant and Gregory Wilbur. Well, welcome back to Bright Hearth, everybody. It is good to be here with you. I'm Brian Sauve, as always, joined by my lovely wife, Lexi. Say hi to the people, Lexi. Hi. I'm getting my best Christmassy elf out. Yeah, this is what <laughs> happens. Let me let me walk you guys through what this episode is about <laughs> and why we're doing it. Because, so, we literally, rec- you won't be able to tell any of this, but we literally recorded yesterday on our normal schedule. And then today, I was at work and Lexi said... Like, as if she was Will Ferrell in the movie Elf. <laughs> Maybe all caps in the text message. I can't remember. We need to record on Christmas things and and stuff for Brighthearth. And I was like, we do? And she said, yes. And I said, like, how soon? It was like tonight. So No, I told you two weeks ago we should have been recording about this. <laughs> I didn't. I don't remember that. So, But that's because you're not the director of traditions and holiday activities no, that's in not, the home. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the Oiko Despot, so... Uh, I am at your mercy, babe. I literally don't know what we're talking okay. about beyond that there is a Christmas elf in the room. Well, we have had multiple people ask us about this, and this specifically came from a conversation I had with Lindsay mm-hmm. today. I won't say your last name online. <laughs> yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> but, um, one of my friends and I were talking about Christmas stuff, and I've been chatting with some other people over the last week, and I am behind because I'm pregnant. But I wanted to talk about a few different things, and I guess to just hop in as you want to, Brian. Sounds good. But I really do think going all out for holidays and traditions should be a productive household endeavor. Mm-hmm. Like, this mm-hmm. is something you endeavor to put a lot of time and energy and resources into. Mm-hmm. And I really liked, I'm in Rachel Jankovic's webinar on culture building I can't remember what the rest of it is called. But anyway, she was talking about the word culture, which we all know. Well, you want to go into a little bit more? Where does culture come from? The The word word. culture comes from the Latin term cultus, which is also related to the words cultivation and cult. So it's like the idea of um, cultivating, growing things, tending things, creating culture. And it's all related as well to worship. Yes. Cult, you know, like cults. I think our culture maybe not so much like culture is religion externalized as henry ventil there you go she even quoted him you know like 10 years ago it was really big to push back and say like it's the thought that counts or even this is what Lindsay and i were talking about today the um gifting categories of like something to wear something to read something to eat and like that's it this like minimalist approach to christmas in some ways I don't think we should have any sort of a place for that in our Christian category and thinking. But I also think part of it is because it is a lot of work Mm -hmm. and moms want to get around it being a lot of work. But specifically when Rachel was talking about the word cultivate, she was talking about cultivating something takes time and work and attention for growth to happen. And it just kind of made me realize that's why we don't want to put the time and the effort into either carrying on traditions, establishing traditions, cooking big meals, Mm -hmm. buying all the gifts, 
having something fun to do at night through Advent for our kids because it takes that long-term attention before we actually see any growth. It's true because you do have, like, the temptation is... to Our culture is very lackadaisical. It's very... I don't know. There's just a lot of, like, enculturated laziness because we're, like, really busy. Our culture has driven us to extreme busyness, but not quality or legacy or depth. Yeah. So we are all kind of harried, and we're doing 10,000 different things, and we're doing those 10,000 different frothy sort of fizzy things instead of cultivating deep-rooted traditions. that They're the kind of traditions that you could see, like, yeah— this will be such a central feature of my kids thinking about this time of year that they won't be able to imagine a household without this when their kids are in their house. Yeah. And those kind of traditions take a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of proactive, like weeks ahead thought from mm-hmm. from a mom and from yeah. a homemaker. Um, so, you know, they don't just happen. No, they don't happen. We, we kind of want to buy everything in a box. Yeah. You know, from food to culture. And we're going to talk about that. You can't buy culture in a box. So we were made to celebrate and create culture no matter what. So mm-hmm. I think part of what's happened is there's been a breakdown in passing on traditions over the last couple of generations. Yeah. And that hasn't gone away. Like you said, we've allowed things like Hobby Lobby in Walmart to fill in the advent calendar for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally fill it in with little tiny chocolates that are hidden behind cardboard box doors. Yeah. And the other thing too is there's a real reality that when you're doing... When you're doing this as like first generation reformed Christians trying to recover this, not only do you not have any traditions, most of us don't have really robust. I didn't know what Advent was until after I was a parent. Mm -hmm. So there were things when I thought back on Christmas, like, oh yeah, my family did that, but it wasn't necessarily, um, it's not that I didn't want to pass it on. It was just, there wasn't deep meaning tied behind it. Mm -hmm. So already we're doing the work of parenting. We're doing the work of trying to do the work of establishing a tradition in addition to thinking about all of it without much intergenerational help doing it. Mm-hmm. And for some people, not this isn't our case, but I can think of people that we've talked to at church even that have, you know, um, really bad family situations. So then on top of it, they're adding like, well, my parents hate one another. They don't want to be around one another for Christmas. So how do we even establish healthy Christmas patterns at all? Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of challenges, I think, in some ways that our generation is facing surrounding traditions. But I really loved what Rachel said about we need we don't need to be like despairing. We need to see this as our time to build something. Mm-hmm. And I loved, loved, loved that. Um, you were talking about not just buying Christmas at the store. And yeah. I really liked in Matthew 13, she was reading as a parable. And we've, we all know this one where Jesus compares the kingdom to a woman who has hidden leaven in loaf. And there's other parables where he's comparing the kingdom to something that a man is doing. But it was the first time it really dawned on me, like he didn't have to use an example of a woman making something with her hands mm-hmm. to build the kingdom, but he did. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's more to that because of the whole leavening. But that was just another example. I was just thinking like, there's, we want to get around the physicality and the the call to rise to work that is demanded of mothers in order to make some of these things happen. Mm -hmm. But that's literally how he's building the kingdom is through our hands and our wombs and our dinner tables and our Christmas trees and all that stuff. And I'm really sorry, but 
I don't know if I should open this can of worms, but there's people out there that say they don't celebrate Christmas for X, Y, Z reasons. But it really bugs me because I see these same people taking off Labor Day, loving Labor Day with their husband being home, loving Columbus Day because their husband's home. So they're letting the government dictate their calendar for them instead of Christian tradition. And that really bugs me. So something that we've talked about this a little bit before, but I've really been thinking about the last few years is, I don't want the government telling me what to celebrate. I want this rich cloud of witnesses to be telling me and informing, not that we have to celebrate in a certain way, the Christian calendar, but at least think about doing it some, Mm -hmm. you know, at least think about recovering some of it. So um, that's another thing is like bigger holiday celebrations pushes back against what the government is telling us to celebrate, which is like LD. What L- LGBT. LGBTQ I'm so proud plus. of you for not knowing the, adjic- <laughs> the, the acronym. I probably couldn't even define all those if I wanted to. And yeah. also, yeah. I mean, we just had Columbus Day where they didn't even let the kids out of school for that. That was really weird. Well, it's now Indigenous people's I know. And I don't know if that's everywhere just in celebrates Utah. Celebrates my people. But like, we were always out of school for that. So yeah. that was another wake up call to me of like, the government is telling people what to celebrate and what not to celebrate. Yeah. So we don't need... we. We don't want to enforce holy days on people, yeah. like where the church has required holy days Correct. that you are you must celebrate this, you must celebrate that. We're not saying that at all, but we don't want to jump all the way over and strip the world bare until we end up, you know, with the Gnostic and the ascetic kind of as at our left and our right side. Yeah, the goal of Christianity isn't to strip away all of the physicality, all of the the food and the celebration and the presence and all of that to say that we're we're cultivating our spirit. We're all about the spiritual. Well, no, we're we're embodied creatures. We were made to celebrate. We were made to uh, actually embody our worship and have it come out of our fingertips in everything that we do. And so, you know, holidays are an awesome opportunity for us to in flesh. Um, the things that we believe are true about the nature of our Lord, our community, that God was generous with us, that he sets a generous table for us. And we can sort of like, especially homemakers, you have an opportunity to put into the food and the table and the gifts and the, the celebration and the traditions and the rituals. You have the opportunity to sort of encode in those physical things your doctrine of the gospel and your doctrine of God's generosity and in your doctrine of the goodness of, and, and glory of God. Yeah. I always think about it in terms of like not wanting to be the white witch. Yeah. You know, and people always talk about just what a Chesterton, like went completely all out for Christmas time. And when I was reading about a little bit of an autobiography, uh, not autobiography, wow, a biography about him, that just really stood out to me that he was, he loved Christmas and it like turned him into a child every single Mm -hmm. year. And he, he just kind of reverted back in a way that all of us, I think we've kind of lost the mystery of Christmas time specifically in some ways because we can get so focused on the work. Mm -hmm. But, um, I just really like want to become more and more celebratory the older I get. And the funny thing too, is that the more kids I have, I am so tired through the Christmas season and I know like there's things left and right that I'm not getting to ideas that I had that I totally forgot about. 
And in some ways it's like, I have to pray and ask the Lord to prepare. Like, I only know that my physical body will be prepared for the weight of that glorious celebration on the other side of heaven. Mm -hmm. Because here I'm still a frail creature that can't even begin to fathom the joys that Christ has for us. But that is part of what we're called to as mothers is setting a feast of joy, setting, you know, our children's imaginations on fire with advent and table settings and gift wrap and ornaments, all that. Okay, maybe I wrote something about this a few years ago, and I think there's a few paragraphs here that are relevant. Maybe I will quote them. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I wrote this a few years ago thinking about this question of Christmas and celebration and, and that sort of thing. I said, the Gnostic and ascetic lie damnably. Theirs is a false gospel, all death and no resurrection, all bitter herbs and no roasted lamb. The true gospel is not so. Like every good story, it walks through the valley of the shadow of death, but it does so, to borrow Tolkien's turn of phrase, you catastrophically. From death, immortal life. From blood, indestructible redemption. From lamb, festal glory. It's not the case that the lighter you find this world, the weightier you will find God. Not so. No more than watery porridge in the bowl makes for a merrier mother at the pot. The world is a thick, not a thin place. In fact, the thicker we find the world, the weightier we will find the God behind it. When the true God, our God, brought the cosmos cantering out of the nothingness, he laughed and pronounced his very good over it. Yes, the pagans get this all wrong, stopping one leap short of glory and worshiping the creature rather than the ever-blessed creator. But their problem is not too much of the material, but a fundamental misunderstanding of it. Not so for his saints. The more raucously that blood-washed multitude enjoys the chorus of smells and sights and tastes and scenes, the more they feel the Father's joy. The saints become more, not less material in their salvation, all the way up to the New Jerusalem and back down again. And they do so without becoming materialists, that is, without missing the point of all these material splendors. The Son became a man so men might become true men again. Because they don't worship the creature, the saints are free to exult in the bright brass section of frosted landscapes and the trumpeting of stars in the dark winter sky. They are free to revel without a hint of shame in crackling logs on the hearth, their warm glow reaching out like the throaty strains of Bach's unaccompanied cello suites. For them, the worth, the worth of the composer blazes out of his compositions, irrepressible. Is not the earth the Lord's in the fullness thereof? Yes, and we his people, true claimants to her title in union to the Son to whom all is given. It may be that a dry crust with peace surpasses the sumptuous feast with strife. Better, yes, but best the feast and the peace, best the wine and the song, best the smile and the roast, best the gift and its giver. Before you accuse me of over-realizing my eschatology, let it be settled outright that no feast on this side of the New Jerusalem is without the specter of sin and all the company that comes with it. Yes, the ghost of Adam past rattles his chains over us, even over our festal gatherings. But feast on we must. The second Adam is victorious over the first. That wraith will soon be exercised from our midst with thundering finality, creation liberated at the glorious appearing of the sons of God. So sing your odes to the warm embrace of yellow butter and crunchy sugar and yeasted flour. Write your sonnets to chubby toddlers and their fingers, sticky with stolen dips into the sugar bowl. Do not dare not to give your standing ovations to the subtle curve and draw of your youthful bride at the crowded oven. Shout your praise, drink your wine, utter your aloud your amen to his very good. And one last thing, don't dismiss this as mere periphery. This, friends, is high theology. 
Our tables may just be a gospel issue, as the saying goes. So feasts like Jude's doxology and Matthew's choir of angels over the shepherds in their fields. Feast on true bread in Bethlehem's manger and crusty loaf at your own kitchen table. He's making us men again. Good stuff. That's that's That was my contribution to this episode. <laughs> and I wrote it several years ago. So I guess I just want to talk about some things that can prevent us from this. You know, you were preaching on manners on Sunday as we go into a season of heavy hospitality mm-hmm. with the holidays upon us and just the importance of having love and trifles in all these times, you know, I think moms can start to feel like, Oh, I'm doing all this for you. I'm staying up late for you. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you can't even behave. You're still disobeying and I have to go spank you and the baby still needs to be nursed. There's, there's, this is a really good time for us to learn to walk in the spirit and exercise self-control and giving freely with no strings attached yes, whatsoever. Yep. So, and I think this really, like, (laughs) my complaining spirit was totally put into check several years ago when we were studying the the Puritan pilgrims that came to America, and I meant to look up the actual numbers, but it was, the first Thanksgiving was basically cooked by, like, three or four women, and I wish I could look it up. Could you look it up while we're talking? Uh, Look up what? I want to say there were around a thousand pilgrims and then they had a thousand i'm sorry not a thousand wasn't it a (laughs) hundred yeah like a hundred and then they ended up having like a hundred more unexpected guests when the indians showed up Hmm. so you know most of us moms are you know on the large end cooking for 12 to 24 maybe more people than that if you are you inevitably have help you have a hot stove you have a dishwasher you have laundry running tea towels for you they had the forest and the river (laughs) and 90 native americans and 50 english pilgrim settlers okay did it say how many women cooked for them uh no okay so think of that you guys you're tripling your guests without knowing it there's like three or four of you at least you have all of your you know your uh modern servants going to work for you if not more help than that from teenage daughters and I'm sure grandmas and other people helping you. And so that really made me realize these women could have been doing more practical things. They were literally trying to start a new Christian society. Mm -hmm. They were fleeing persecution. They were wanting to build Christian culture to worship freely. They had houses to build. They had food to preserve. And yet they were stopping because they understood the Thanksgiving was a huge, huge element of this forward momentum for the Christian mission. I also think it's important to note that that was part of what our foundational society is in America, <laughs> is celebrations based on Thanksgiving, not necessarily based on money, on you know the most beautiful tree in the neighborhood, stuff like that. But that's, that's really important that a new society, they were stopping to mark this time with Thanksgiving and celebration. Mm-hmm. Like that's really big. Don't be a white witch. Be generous towards your children and your husband and, you know, your church uh, members, fellow church members. I think that Layla Lawler has some articles on her blog, like Mother Like Daughter, where she just has really good reminders of how to be realistic about, you know, the day of a holiday event. Make sure you're planning time for the baby to be nursed don't be shocked when the baby needs to be nursed or a child needs to be disciplined. She had a few helpful things on which parts of the house to deep clean before having guests over at 
I, I think even her Thanksgiving one broke it down like within four days, what you need to pull out when. Very, very helpful for people just getting started with all of this. But one of my favorite books on just thinking about going all out, it is Christmas related, but any sort of celebration would benefit from Doug Wilson's Advent book, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Have you read that? I've read it a couple times. Okay, yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah, I've read it a couple times too. Yeah. I really, really recommend reading that starting now because the thing with some of these Advent reads is you're going to get ideas that you want to implement, but then you need time to implement them. So that's like part of why I picked up George Grant's book, Christmas Spirit, a couple months ago is I wanted time to plan and figure out what we were going to put into practice. So those are kind of my three big resources on this topic. What is that Advent? Remember that lady? Oh, what was her name? She was really popular and she wrote that kid's Advent story about the never ending. Never. Uh, Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. God's never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. <laughs> it was like a You were sick of that. You a Bible that. book that was like, let's just make God and take all of his holiness and all of his wrath and let's just was. make God like really chill. I can see her. She did the 1000 Gifts book. Well, and then too, she's all like pro LGBT stuff yeah. now, too. Anyways. So. So I guess what I'm saying the is the Jesus Storybook Bible is was the name. No, of it wasn't. It no, yeah. it That's was. The, yeah, that was what it was called. Ann Voskamp. She had an Advent. Oh, Ann Voskamp too. She had an oh. Advent. Yeah. Wait, the Jesus Storybook Bible gal is LGBT affirming now? Yeah, um, yeah. I think she even <gasps> no. like helped with an ill book that includes no. LGBT few characters. Yeah. Ah, uh, even yeah. worse. Mm-hmm, Unwrapping mm-hmm. the greatest gift: a family celebration of Christmas. So my Advent recommends are not your typical Advent. I will just say that. I don't have any sort of special reading plan that I recommend you follow. There's lots of good, simple ones straight from Scripture. I also think when you're planning Advent holidays and pregnant, or you have a newborn, because I've I've had both, I would just really recommend limiting your time looking at what other people are doing because it's going to make you feel frustrated and discouraged and that discouragement is going to make you feel you're just going to be less productive because you're not going to be cheerful about the work that's before you accepting the season that the Lord has you in. So I would say limit your exposure time to comparing yourself to other people and just pray for creativity on your part. The Lord would help you really serve the people in your season and not feel like you know, you're wasting another year because I do think there can be that temptation. Um, every year is going to be a different year. And I just kind of wanted to note what we, we did this for a while with Advent plans where at the beginning, I always did this at the beginning of October. I would just kind of make a list of Christmassy activities, going to look at Christmas lights, doing cookie decorating with friends. Um, when the kids learned to read, one of the big things they did was scavenger hunts like candy cane scavenger hunts in the house maybe having a few christmas books for them to unwrap and we would just kind of pick one of those activities each free night we had through december and that was more advent plan than like a chocolate calendar (laughs) Mm -hmm. and just really going all out like when we homeschooled i did very minimal homeschooling through christmas and just did tons of baking with the kids, like a new Christmas cookie every day. And I was totally okay with that. Yeah. So um, I know some people like to do the 12 days of Christmas, which I think we might try to play that up this year since that works better with their school uh, calendar now. Yeah. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to get y'all's gears 
thinking in terms of Christmas and not falling behind unnecessarily. I think one thing I really want to do, I just haven't done yet, is creating some sort of a menu plan that you have. Like if you have a homemaking binder where you have your Christmas menu every year, you can just pull it back out that has your Christmas recipes behind it, that has the gift list that you've been making all year long, that has, you know, what were the toys that the two-year-old liked? Because now I have another two-year-old. It, it's eight years later, but I have another two-year-old. I think one ditch, especially moms, is to be like, be really, be the one who's doing a lot and do and working out all these plans and baking the things, and then, and then being really mad and annoyed at everybody because they're like getting in the way of you doing this great thing, and then being like the mom who's like, I'm doing this for you. Why aren't you all appreciating it? Or like why are like Lexi said when the baby still needs to nurse and the kids are still kids, and the, you know and they're still gonna be like get hopped up on sugar and say rude things sometimes and so you don't want to fall in the ditch of like there's the laziness ditch where you don't do anything and you just kind of like wow we're just gonna buy culture in a box and never really do anything special but then you don't want to fall in the other ditch of being like the white witch who is also like the Christmas elf version of the white witch who's making all of the things but then being rude to everybody the whole time because you're in a bad mood from all the extra work that you're doing. That's why I think it's important to have manners when you're mm-hmm. serving other people because, yeah, that's that's a very, very, very real ditch to fall in. Yeah, you're you, like the better is a house of uh, peace with, with the herbs, with the dinner of herbs, than the house of feasting with strife. Obviously, best of all is the house that has the feast and the peace. So you don't want to fall in the ditch of having the feast, but then bringing a bitter spirit over it. You really do need to organize your attitude first and make sure that your feast is also served with love and with patience and with joy. And that you're not like letting all of the... I mean, I think of Christmas Eve, one of our biggest traditions that we've always done as a family that's awesome, and I look forward to it is actually in the midst of some really hard work in late night. Like, we do Christmas Eve often at church, and so we'll be out late. I will have been working all day, leading Christmas Eve service and things like that. And then we come home, though, and we stay up as a family late and make, like, a special dinner and have a special, like, Italian sodas, and which sounds weird, but it's our Christmas thing. We make Italian cream sodas. And nachos. <laughs> and nachos. I wasn't even I wasn't going to say it because it sounds so weird. But it's perfect because you do like the slow cooker nacho toppings. So when we get we home, look forward to it all it's year. super, it's delicious. It's super easy to make. It takes like 10 minutes in the oven once we're home and it's hot and amazing. And then you get these, it's like, it's just a great tradition. And, and yet it's in the midst of a lot of really late night busyness. So we kind of built that tradition to be functional for our family. We didn't try to make a tradition where we did a four course meal after the Christmas Eve service. Because for our no. family, maybe for some families that would work, but we, with my vocation as a pastor, it, it just wouldn't fit with the rhythm for that. I mean, this year, Christmas is on the Lord's Day, so I'll be preaching and lead, we'll, we'll have church that day. And so we'll have to kind of bend a little bit and flex, and it'll be a different kind of glory than the normal Christmas morning. It'll be a different kind of glory. And we'll bend around that and not we don't want to sacrifice the people for the for the tradition and make a beautiful table setting for the sake of Instagram and not for the sake of the people. It's like no no no, we want to, if we can't serve it with love and peace, it would be better not to serve it. 
So let's yeah, aim to do both. That's a good example of how we do that, yeah. Yeah, let's aim to do both. And for your family, that might be starting with some you you might have a an aim where you're like, okay, over the next few years we want to build up these traditions. Let's start with some low-hanging fruit that we can do this year that you have the time now as you're listening to the episode. There's still plenty of weeks ahead. Plan a few special, maybe a special outing or two, plan some special traditions and nail it. Do it really well so that you're totally not, you know, warring with your own flesh to try and get it done and still be happy with everybody. And then build, build, invite other people in, invite family in and keep building on those traditions. And they get thicker and thicker over the years. Kids get older and they start helping. And yeah. there's just everybody gets trained up under the 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 traditions and the rituals mm-hmm. and the in the glory until they can all carry a load and they don't even feel like they're carrying no. it. Right. You know, like yeah. I don't think a twelve year old I don't think Daphne when she's twelve is gonna feel like she's carrying a heavy load to go and help make no. Christmas cookies and no. she'll be totally capable. Well, if you've been listening to Bright Hearth for any length of time, you know that we are all about productive Christian households, supporting one another in business endeavors worth doing, and we're all about modest, feminine Christian women, masculine Christian men. So we're so excited to be partnering for this episode of Bright Hearth with a sponsor, Garlands of Grace. Garlands of Grace makes beautiful feminine head coverings, uh, whether you're wearing a head covering or a headband just for fashion reasons or uh, as a covering for 1 Corinthians 11 sort of matters, we'd really commend them to you. And Lexi, uh, we were just looking at their organics line. What do you think about that? It's very cute. <laughs> they are very cute. <laughs> they have a lot of floral prints, and it's. I think it's really unique to find companies that are willing to even go the extra mile and use organic fabric. So Yes, we know that our listeners are not just interested in getting the cheapest, quickest, flimsiest things they can get, but they want to get quality um, products made that are going to support Christian households. And so we would commend these ladies to you and their company. Uh, you can head to garlandsofgrace.com and you can see a huge variety of head coverings, head wraps. They have them for women as well as girls. And um, they also have those volumizers. What are those again? They help keep your head covering in place so it's not slipping off of your head. Yes. And if, uh, you know, Lexi is taking care of five children plus one in the womb on Sundays while I'm preaching and teaching and leading the service. So it is important that it's not slipping off of your head so easily when little people are kind of climbing and crawling over you. So that's been a help for you. Yep, I love it. Absolutely. Well, check it out there, garlandsofgrace.com. You can use the link in the description of this episode and you support our show when you support them. So uh, thanks for listening. And now we'll get back to the episode. Yeah, and I think too, as your muscles grow as a mom, you naturally can take on more. Like I think my... uh, hmm. My minimum day nowadays is like three times the amount of work I would yeah. have done as a mom with Easily. one baby. Easily. And so your muscles adjust. And I think there's a glory to layering on things. And you don't, yeah. that's the thing too, is you don't want to have so much that it's just pointless like the Catholic calendar was. Like, yeah, you're running from thing to thing to yeah, thing, yeah, to, yeah. thing yeah. to thing to thing. No, 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 no. Yeah. No. Yeah. B- build them on slowly. And, and then also like there's there's wisdom here in thinking about this. When you're looking at other families in either direction, maybe you're the mom with five kids and you're looking at the mom with one kid who's struggling and you're tempted to scoff Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. be like, how are you having a hard time with one kid? I have five. (laughs) I wish I had one. You know, like 
don't do that, but also don't if you're the if you're the one, don't look up at the family that's down the road further that's built up those muscles and go and just despair and be like if I'm not if I don't have as much strength as they do in, in the next day or in this year, I'm I'm nothing. I'm a loser. Well, no, and you're I not. think the reality is every season we can't possibly understand one another's worlds and mm-hmm. children's and lives. And that's why it takes faith yeah. to see just faith to do what God has placed before you and understand God gives you the grace you need for the kind of life he gives you also. Yeah. Yeah. He gives you, he supplies your every need in Christ. And he also only gives good gifts. Yeah. So if you have, uh, you know, these layers get built up over generations too. So if you have a family where your parents gave you great traditions and great rituals and they're present and active, it's like, you already had some layers under your feet before you ever started. And maybe that wasn't the case yeah. for you. It's like, that's, it's okay. The Lord will supply your every need and he's wise in how he distributes his gifts. And he doesn't distribute them equally. Like some, mm-hmm. you might look at another family and go, why did they get 10 talents to work with? We only have three. Well, praise God he gave you three and he gave them 10. Be thankful for the 10 they have. Be yeah. thankful for your three. And each of you use them to the glory of God, and you'll answer to, the, to your master. Uh, you won't have to answer for them. You'll mm-hmm. just have to answer for you. So don't sin in envy and covetousness. Yeah. There's so many ditches in, the, in these seasons, Yes, but there's also so many opportunities for glory, yes. and that's just how it always is. In honoring other people. I mean, something we had to work through, you and I both grew up military kids. Mm-hmm. I maybe have one memory of being with extended family for the holidays, maybe. Really? I'm sure there's more than that. But it was not something that happened often, so yeah. I was not used to having to go places for oh, the holidays. Oh, yeah, and I was always... And you guys we drove would to travel. Montana every year to be with my dad's parents. So I... Often with extended family. We really had to work through that. Like, I know the holidays are not for me. They're right. not for me. They're for loving my kids and honoring our elders. And yeah. so... Um, there will be a season where I am the elder and that is, mm-hmm. you know, more likely my kids bringing their young kids to me, but we're not there yet. Yeah. And we had to work through that both with both of our parents um, mm-hmm. both sides. and just me having realistic expectations of like, okay, this is the point of it. The people is the point of it. Not yeah. me getting what I want. Yeah. It's not <laughs> you for know? me. Yeah. It's not for me. And if both mom and dad are on the same page there then it will end up being for you by not being about you. And I don't think it was ever that we weren't on the same page. It was just a few rocky years between all of us just, trying to figure yeah. out what... Figuring out expectations. Rocky isn't even the right word, I guess. No, just like figuring it out. Yeah, figuring it How out. Do you, when you have two sets of family living in your area and you have different expectations and things, you really you don't realize how much you haven't talked out. Yes, correct. Until you run into it. And then you're like, oh, we actually need to figure out, like, how do we divide this up? Yeah. How do we chop up our time, make sure we're honoring our families yeah. and giving our kids opportunities to be and we, with you know, family? And- as we've had more kids, both of our parents are really good at respecting, like, I'm not going to get up and get to your house at 7 o'clock. Not with they understand. Kids, no. They understand that it takes us a while to get going in the morning. Yeah, we're we need to eat, drink a cup of coffee. We get up get for the dressed. Lord's Day and we're there at eight eight fifteen before Sunday school. That's and that's a, a production. <laughs> and and we do it because it's the Lord's Day. It's for the living God. <laughs> right. But yeah, so we have human uh, 
rhythms is what yeah. I'm saying. But at the same time, I'm not sitting on the couch in my PJs all day like I used to when oh, I was a teenager. Oh, your cinnamon rolls. <laughs> cinnamon rolls. They're actually on our Patreon from a while back. We shared that you know, sourdough cinnamon roll recipe. Something I wanted to say briefly They're that reminded so me of this because I made the orange version for Easter and the kids loved it. Yep. Doug says that Easter ought to be a bigger celebration than even Christmas. Mm -hmm. So wrap your mind around that. I haven't yet. (laughs) We'll figure that out. We'll get there. We'll get there. No, I was just thinking about how Christmas morning. Don't you make those Christmas morning? I do. I make them on Christmas. They're so good. And I have been making that sausage-filled bread boat, but it didn't work last year very well. So I think I might switch it up with... Maybe some what you do, sausage, babe. some savory cinnamon rolls or you something ready? to go with it. What? Those cinnamon rolls. And when I say a pile of bacon, I mean literally like I could do like what kids do with the leaves okay, in you, the fall. So you want like $90 worth of bacon. I want $90 <laughs> worth of bacon and those cinnamon rolls. And I want to be able to make bacon angels on the ground. Y'all should send your best holiday recipes to me. Yeah. This is one of the challenges I face when it comes to holidays is I love cooking mm-hmm. regularly and we do regular Sabbaths, which means I'm always trying to think yeah. of new celebratory meals. So I almost have a really hard time stepping it up a notch when it comes to so, yeah. to holidays mm-hmm. because of that. So yeah. send me your favorite. And a lot of it has to do with, I, for us, it's been like finding those recipes or things that would have been traditional too. Yeah. Because that's kind of fun. We wouldn't normally do yeah, like exactly. cream puffs for the Feast of the Ascension kind of thing. Yeah. So that's George Grant's recipe book. And mm. I don't remember what that one is called, which I love. I have used that for the the high feast days yeah. where they have menus that I will try and follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forgot about that. I should pull that out and yeah, do, oh do man, my menu planning puffs. right now. Feast of the Ascension. <laughs> Go eat some cream puffs representing the clouds that Christ rose into. Yeah, it is fun to so, think in those terms. And you tell the kids, these are the kind of things that, you know, we don't just boil our, the, the system of the Christian faith down to, like, discrete facts, no. theological facts. It's this rich, embodied body, soul, spirit, creation, heaven, heavens and earth, visible, invisible. Christianity spans and encompasses everything. So... A lot of the things these rituals have served to do over the years, and I mean like over the generations, is that these traditions that surround the calendar and time of year tend to enculturate and put uh, handles on these theological truths that you could grab onto or eat and taste and mm-hmm. see and touch. Yeah, and so it's built for it's built for human understanding of our theological convictions. Does that make sense? Like a human, a fully human embodied. Yeah, I think so. It's like stuff our kids can grab onto, and you can yeah, as well. Yeah, I think that well. makes sense. Like, so you think about Ascension, or you think about Christmas, and it should have like there should be a taste in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a glorious one. I, and I think if I'm understanding you correctly, it reminds me of the story that they told in this Christmas spirit about Saint Boniface and how the the reason we have greenery at Christmas time is because he had gone into one of the groves and saved the young girl from being sacrificed. Yeah. And this was after, I'm pretty sure this was after he chopped down the... Forest oak. Yeah. Yeah, Donner's oak. And he had cut off some green boughs and like passed them around after they saved the girl. And he said, this this is to remind you that Christ died on your behalf so you don't have to be sacrificing one Mm -hmm. another. He did it for you. And that's where we got the greenery, the tradition of green 
Christmas boughs from. And I was like, okay, I've been wanting an excuse to go out on yeah. true evergreen greenery for Christmas. We've done it before, but mm-hmm. it's really messy. Yeah. But this the year I was like, needles. I don't care how many. We're doing it. How much vacuuming and sweeping up I have to do. I'm doing the real stuff. So, yeah, that that was a good book to understand a lot of those things I think that you're talking about is like yeah. full orbed mm-hmm. traditions from a Protestant perspective and not tainted with Catholicity. Well, it's not, it's not like where all of a sudden we're binding everybody's conscience to no. set apart. That's the, the real controversy. And, and I think where you go wrong is if you, if you start demanding certain Christian worship on, on these uh, new holy days that you've set up that God hasn't commanded you. And, and there's a distinction between that and somebody setting apart a day for remembrance of a certain thing and not binding anybody's conscience to it. No. But but doing it as a way uh, to enculturate in your calendar uh, or in your family's life or in, in your cultural rituals the celebration and remembrance of these high theological truths. Yes. That's good. That's glorious. And and that's why Paul talks about one esteems one day over another, one esteems all days the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Mm-hmm. Have grace for each other. Don't bind one another's conscience. Don't destroy the weaker brother. But just be careful not to buy into the whole like really shallow anti-Christian history where they say, "Oh, everything was like pagan," and you know it's all Christian. Christmas is pagan. Everything's pagan. Well, a lot of this stuff actually, when you look into the historical roots, were Christians going out and taking dominion in the world and throwing yeah. down these old gods and old pagan religions, and then conquering them and colonizing yeah. them and saying Christ is better. Let's we will give you better celebrations. We'll give you better rituals. I we'll think a lot you. of it really is a liberal view of history. Yeah, it is. It's it's also like a sin is in the stuff view. Yeah. We're like Oh yeah, some, totally, totally. This all of a sudden it's like there's cooties in the day that you're getting pagan cooties if you celebrate this or that. You know, if you have a Christmas tree then you're getting pagan cooties on you and it's like or you're you're worshiping in a green grove, and it's like, no, my brother in Christ, listen. The problem with the green grove wasn't the tree; it was that they were worshiping demon gods there. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Is that what we got? Yeah, I think I'm gonna do an in the kitchen on some of our favorite cookie recipes and oh, queen other recipes. Queen. So, my birthday is right around Thanksgiving, and I yeah. hate pumpkin. It's so sad. <laughs> I, I just thought I'd throw that <laughs> I out know. there. No, it's so true. It just thought of me because I was thinking of everyone's like Thanksgiving you want pumpkin, food. everything. And she's like, please no, please, <laughs> please let me escape this pumpkiny world. <laughs> I was so happy the year that Jessica came to family Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We all we almost always have church family yeah, and friends over with us because we have military, and both of our parents are military and they understand. You know, yeah, not inviting families family who don't have family. But around she brought a salted caramel apple cake, it was and very I was good. so happy. That it was not a pumpkin birthday cake. It kind of looked pumpkin-y too. So it was oh, like, but it was oh, perfect. It, it was so, so good. So I've actually made yeah. that for my birthday mm-hmm. most years since then. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to this episode of Bright Hearth, everybody. Uh, remember to check out our sponsor for this episode, Garlands of Grace. If you're looking for beautiful feminine head coverings or accessories for women or girls, husbands, speaking of Christmas, great gift opportunity there. And like Lexi mentioned, we do uh, actually have a patron-exclusive episode that we do just about every week called In the Kitchen, where we share recipes, we talk about practical in the weeds stuff, give, you know, like apothecary tips and resources. 
There's that and a lot more on our Patreon channel. We answer questions there and try to interact with the patrons there on that channel. So there's a link in the description, patreon.com slash brighthearth, where you can help support the show and get access to that content. And also, if you sign up at certain tiers, we send you a sweet Feed the Patriarchy mug uh, and other stuff too. So check us out there. Thanks for listening in, everybody. God bless you and yours as you come into this season of celebration. May the Lord bless you with rich feasts, with wine well-aged, and may he give you joy in your feasting as well. We'll see you next time on Bright Hearth.